Rallycross Conversations, chatting all things dogs and running. Join me, Michelle. Me, Louise, as we chat to guests and experts about dogs and running, sometimes whilst we are out running. Welcome to this episode of Canny Cross Conversations. Today, we're joined by Dr. Juliette McGratton for the second time. Um, you can check out the original episode she did with us very early on. I think it's episode three. Um, Juliette is a former GP, a keen runner, author of two books, and she's just launched a course called Run Through the Menopause, which is what we're going to talk to her about today. Welcome, Juliette. Thanks for joining us again. Hello, thank you very much for having me back. It's it's great to be here for a second time. Yeah, so last time last time we made you run with your dog because you do you do like getting out with your dog, don't you? Um, I've never done a podcast on the move before, but yeah, <laughs> I, I was running me. across the fields and I quickly realised that I was going to be so out of breath I had to stop. So <laughs> it was fun. It was a challenge. We like to challenge people on our podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh, yes. So thanks for coming on. So we wanted to chat to you today because obviously you've got a new course run through the menopause. Um, I'm kind of entering those perimenopausal years now. Um, So we thought we'd have a chat just about how it impacts us as runners, really. um, And if there's anything that we can do to to help get through a difficult time. Um, So, yeah, thank you. Um, So let's just start perhaps with just defining perimenopause, shall we? Do you want to just explain? Yeah, no problem. I mean, I think there is a bit of confusion about terminology and and, and I'm guilty of using uh, words maybe not quite in the right setting as well. And I think the thing is the menopause itself is really a day in time. It's It's the day when you get to 12 months, a full year without a period. And that is the menopause. And anything before that is pre-menopause. And anything after that day is post-menopause. Now, the perimenopause, the word peri just means around. So perimenopause is the time leading up to the menopause. And that varies in its length. For some women, it might be very short. For some women, it can be seven, eight, nine, even up to 10 years. So the perimenopause itself can affect women a long time before the menopause. It's when you start to get symptoms and notice something changing in your body. So just before we go into all the symptoms, which are really important, as we've said, um, how do you, do they change from, so you've got perimenopausal in which you've just described fantastically, and then sort of the, the, the time when we go into menopause, which is what I'm in, how, how do things, well, perhaps we do need to start off with the symptoms, don't we, actually, before I ask this question, I'm going about the houses with this, but no, do I think- symptoms change or from menopause to perimenopause. I think, um, the, I'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background. That's fine. But no, I, like think, <laughs> I think you're um, you're perfectly explaining what some of the problems are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how does it all fit together? And what's the perimenopause and the menopause? And then do things sort of change? And so it's, 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 really, it, it's really valid. And I think every woman is affected differently. So there are numerous symptoms. I mean, you can, there's something I saw recently that listed 48 symptoms of the menopause. Wow. And, and, and often when people say symptoms of the menopause, they mean the perimenopause as well, mm-hmm. because those symptoms can start, as I say, up to even 10 years before you reach the menopause, but they can continue afterwards as well. It's not just when you have that day when you've reached your 12 months without a period that everything goes away. Those symptoms can continue for many years after, many, many years afterwards for some women, not 
often as severely as they were they usually sort of gradually dwindle but some of them like hot flushes women in their 70s might get the odd hot flush as well which can still be linked to the changing hormone levels so really it's kind of a spectrum that you a journey that you sort of work your way through and the symptoms can come and go they can get worse they can ease off um and then once you reach menopause yeah sadly it doesn't mean boom it's all over and you can get those symptoms continuing on for for a number of years and i think it is really important that we talk about the symptoms because i went through it i i was very lucky and i'm i'm sure this is um uh, quite common i i had my child and i was in perimenopausal and i knew it was because i was having problems conceiving so we, we sort of went through that process so things can still act normally can't they but you're having other things going on as well um but i'm losing this sorry I, I, Oh, this no, is no, a really no. good symptom. This is a really good yeah. symptom of the perimenopause because, or the menopause itself, uh, and postmenopause, because everyone thinks of physical symptoms. Yeah. And they think of they think of changing periods and dwindling periods. And in the perimenopause, you can still be having regular periods and, like you say, be able to conceive or, yeah. or have trouble conceiving. Um, but a lot of them are mental symptoms such as brain fog and losing right. your words and forgetting what you were going to say and going upstairs to get something and having no idea where you went up there in the first place. And these symptoms have a massive impact on our ability to do our day-to-day -day jobs yeah. uh, and, and also in the workplace. And staggering numbers of women mm. leave their jobs because of symptoms of the menopause. And that's, you know, that's, that's really worrying. <laughs> and I think that's what I was trying to say was that mm. I didn't know a lot. I, I think a lot of us know hot flushes and, you yeah. know, some of the sort of major symptoms. I remember going through things that like itchy skin that I was, I didn't know what earth was going on with me and it carried on for ages. And I've got a friend who's a GP. So I spoke to her and said, what is happening? And, you know, we, we sorted it out, but there was a lot of these kind of weird ones that I'd never, ever heard of. And as you said earlier, people um, have different things. Some people don't have anything. I mean, my sister just sailed through it mm. and I'm, you know, same family, obviously. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've really struggled through it. So it is it's a bit of a it's a bit of a lottery isn't it it is sometimes there is a genetic link we tend to often follow what our our mothers did i'm hoping that i follow what my mom did because she said to me the other day she in a conversation said oh i think it's all this all this nonsense too much is being made of it we just got on with it in our day but yeah. she was lucky and she yeah. had very she had very few symptoms and it is often the ones that you're not expecting and you don't associate with hormone changes and you name a system in the body and really it can affect it. So sometimes people get itchy ears or affects their digestion or they get some vertigo or like they say, you get symptoms of itchy skin. I don't, yeah, I'm on the cool. Zoom with you now and you can see these things on my eyelashes, on my yeah. eyelids. I've been developing these little cysts along my, uh, my eyelids and then I, I looked it up and it says, are quite common in women in the perimenopause because wow. of changing the hormone levels. And I, I hadn't even associated it with that. And, you know, here I am talking about the perimenopause. So it, it can be, it can be a very confusing time if you're getting a lot of symptoms for you to know what's going on. And you sometimes worry that you've got some kind of horrible disease that you're undiagnosed or that you're losing your mind or that you're developing dementia. And, and these are really genuine concerns for women. And it can be very difficult to know what's what. Yeah. So, so how do we know if these symptoms we're experiencing are perimenopause? How, 
is it just kind of our general age is it just accepted that that's probably what it is age is an important factor but it can be misleading because as i said you can have symptoms up to seven eight years before the perimenopause now the average before the menopause now the age of the menopause the average age in the uk is 51 so say you're not average say you're yeah because none of us really are say you're two years before that that's 49 mm -hmm. so you could be having symptoms 10 years before at 39 and yeah. you probably wouldn't be thinking about the menopause and the health doctor or nurse whoever you went to see might not be thinking about that either so age can sometimes be very misleading uh, there isn't an easy answer to that, really. Sometimes it is a case of talking it through with a healthcare professional and just seeing, do things, uh, is there any change with your cycle? If you're still having periods, are your periods changing at all? What does it all add up to? What's your family history? Could it be the, the, the perimenopause? Unfortunately, there's not like one single blood test mm -hmm. that you can do, which is helpful, because when you do a blood test, what you're measuring is, is, a, is a variety of things, including your estrogen levels, your progesterone levels and something called follicle stimulating hormone fsh and the thing is that those things all vary and they vary hour to hour day to day so when you take a blood test you're just getting a snapshot of that moment in time and at that moment in time they might be completely normal um, and then you've got the symptoms and you think well it's nothing to do with my hormones whereas actually if you'd done it four hours later they might have been different so blood tests are really unhelpful and it's much more important to go by your symptoms although you have to be careful if you are having an early or a premature menopause and in those situations if you're under 40 for example then your doctor would or especially if you're under 35 your doctor would be thinking right okay i do need to have a look at the hormone profile and you might have a couple of blood tests a few months apart to to actually try and work out are you are you clear is there evidence on the blood test that could suggest that this is an early menopause because an early one a premature one would need to have some hormone top up to keep you healthy for the future and would that be more likely to be hereditary if you were having an early perimenopausal it can be it can be definitely so it is what it is one thing to certainly ask to see is there could there be a genetic a genetic cause to it there isn't always sometimes it's for other reasons and it's or it's out of the blue but genetics often does have an important role to play in that and it's interesting isn't it but i mean my mother never talks about it because as, as you you said about your mother julia it's like yeah we just got on with it so it you know we don't necessarily know that about our history unless our parents are still around we can actually ask that question now isn't it yeah definitely definitely I, and she didn't talk to me about it and she still doesn't really other than to say she thinks there's too much stuff on the telly about it but <laughs> well, it's a very new thing you, you hear about it all the time now don't you and i think that's great because i think as you just suggested it's hard to define it and know whether we are actually going through perimenopause and all we can do is just chat to people and find as much information about it as we possibly can, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it's wonderful that there is so much because there yeah. is so little education about it. And and women themselves, as well as men, don't don't aren't aware of the symptoms and how it can affect you. And for goodness sake, this is half the world's population. <laughs> so it's not it's not like we're talking about a small niche group of people here. This is half the world. So I, I'm I, I think the education is is really important and I'm all for more coverage and, and awareness, definitely. But it still surprises me. <laughs> That and there is a lot more coverage, even from when I was starting, you know, which was um, 
uh, yeah, 20, nearly 20 years ago. So it was, you know, from when I was going through it. But it surprises me even now that I'm seeing posts from friends or people that are slightly younger than me that don't know that they, they what they've achieved, what they're experiencing is the menopause. And I find that quite frightening. And I don't know if it's because we're in the fitness industry that we are aware of it. Um, but one friend ex- explained, like you said at the beginning, Juliet, that she's lost her job through it because wow. because she didn't realise that that's what she was going through. She thought that things were going really bad and, you know, she was getting dementia or something like that. And that's really scary still, isn't it? It is. It is really scary. But but on the plus side, the more we speak about it and the more conversations, the more those situations won't arise. And, and I know there's lots of employers are getting people in to talk about the, the menopause and how they can support their staff and to give everybody male and female in their organizations a better understanding which is wonderful but like you say there is still a lot to do yeah there's loads to do so you know we're, we're obviously canny crossers we're runners so mm. how how does it impact on sort of just generally because i know there's lots of things you know with all the symptoms and stuff but how does it impact on our running or can it Again, it depends on the severity of your symptoms, but it can affect it enormously. You know, thinking of the some of the symptoms that can crop up during the perimenopause and how they affect your body, which then has a knock-on effect to your running. So, I mean, just to give you some concrete sort of examples, breast tenderness. Now, that may be something that you had with your periods, maybe it isn't, but around the time of the perimenopause, you can start to get really sore, tender breasts, almost like sort of mastitis type feeling and and that obviously you're not going to want to go running and jiggling your breasts around if if they're feeling uncomfortable so that can be just one example it's very common to get general muscle body aches and pains and to feel kind of stiff and uncomfortable we're used to that as runners after we've run but because that kind of makes us know that we've worked ourselves but when that's happening every day and is there before you run it can be really hard to motivate yourself to get going and quite uncomfortable to do so and i mean there's endless endless ways it can affect you i think maybe one of the other ones to mention is that sometimes it affects your not necessarily your competitiveness but your your i know everyone uses the phrase sort of mojo but your your desire to get out there, to challenge yourself, to to push yourself a little bit, you can just lose a bit of drive, and and that can make motivation hard. So if you're somebody who struggles with motivating yourself to get out anyway, the addition of perimenopausal changes can add to that. And and for some people, that can sort of be the end of their running, really, because they think, oh well, you know, I can't get myself out there. And when you do go out, you maybe don't run as well as you wanted to you you feel awful you feel like you're getting slower and you just think oh well that's it my running days are over and that that's a real challenge for for a lot of women so there are endless physical things but also mental things in there that that make it running a real challenge and i think if you're someone who is new to running or wants to start running that's we as we know as a beginner runner that's pretty that's tough you've got a lot of things you've got to overcome and get through if you're doing that at the same time as being perimenopausal then it's even harder for you so those women need an extra sort of amount of support and and understanding to try and keep them get them running in the first place but keep them running once they start as well so i think it isn't something really which maybe hasn't been addressed before but for runners i think it can have a huge impact i know it does with you michelle doesn't it yeah, I mean, you've just described talking about the motivation. That's that describes me perfectly at the moment because I, I get a lot of aches and pains, and that has impacted my motivation to get out there 
Um, and I've not done a race for a long time because I saw you were doing the Manchester Marathon and you're all signed off. And I kind of thought I would love to do a marathon again. I'm not quite brave enough at the moment, though. But it does. It really gets inside your head, doesn't it? And makes you doubt yourself. And and we can do it. Um, but it kind of gives us a lot of anxiety as well. I think that's something I've I've noticed among the people I work with. that I'm helping to coach at the moment. There's a lot of anxiety there about thinking they're not good enough anymore. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of imposter syndrome, if you like, and and just general. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, you've reached this ripe old age. You've got this wealth of experience in life, and all of a sudden, you're wondering whether you can do things. Yeah. And really, we're at a point where we should be like, "I know I can do that if I if I put the work in. Of course, I can." Yeah. And, and self doubt and lack of self confidence and imposter syndrome and and symptom genuine symptoms of anxiety and you know not wanting to put yourself out there or even go out as much is it? They're all valid, and they all affect women and they definitely affect runners and that decision to do the Manchester Marathon next year was part of me just trying to practice what I preach you know because myself was have I was having reservations I know I can do a marathon I've done quite a few of them in the in the past I haven't done one for a few years and I'm like mm, can I do it I know I can do it but remember there's still a part of me going are you sure are you is your body going to hold out for all the training what about if this happens what about if that happens what if you're not getting enough sleep because of night sweats or you know and and all these things bubble up in your head and I was just like right for goodness sake get yourself up let's just do this yeah there'll be bumps and it'll be tricky and there'll be hurdles and things along the way but that's okay you can still do it (laughs) it's interesting though isn't it because and again I don't know if I was so aware when I was going through when I was perimenopausal of all the things that we're talking about now because it was a while ago but I can't remember having because I know when you first started talking about it Michelle and how it's affecting you I was thinking I think I just ran through it and I but I don't know I was obviously having different experiences anxiety is a really interesting one because I didn't have that until recently um so again it shows you how the the different things can come in at different times isn't it and the exact and I thought it originally it was because of COVID you know and we're in this sort of um which I think has made it uh, probably highlighted it even more, the anxiety. But it's not until recently that I've thought that. Um, and, and and the other thing, which is sort of on the topic of what we've been talking about recently, Julia, is is weight. We, we gain more weight when we get older. I've, I've just put that out there because I think that's what we think. But actually, is that just because we're it's, is, is it anything to do with the menopause, perimenopausal, or is it, is it just because we've changed our lifestyle and we can't be bothered? To yeah, because we're less active, less motivated. Yeah. It's hard to know, isn't it? Yeah, um, but both. I think the second point you make there about our lifestyle changing is really important because sometimes it's so subtle that we don't realize it. Perhaps the children are getting a bit older. We're not rushing around after them as much. Perhaps we, we've got a little this is very generalized obviously maybe there's a little bit more time to meet a friend and you maybe go for lunch or you have a coffee and a cake and 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 without even really realizing it you you spend more time being sedentary perhaps your job role changes a little bit and you find yourself more sedentary especially all this working from home without commuting and moving around the office and things so i think it's really important that we do look at our lifestyles and be really honest and just see over years have we gradually reduced the amount that we move our bodies uh, or, and equally have we gradually and 
um, not really uh, subconsciously, maybe it changed our eating habits as well, because yeah. we do, you know, we sometimes get into these habits and we don't, we don't intend to, but they're, they're very subtle. So those things are really important, but it is also important to know that there are changes that happen in your body in the perimenopause that do make it more likely for you to gain weight, but particularly for your body composition to change and for your fat body fat to increase, particularly around the middle of your body. And we know that there are changes going on in the body that that cause that to happen. But equally, we do need to take a, a look at our own lifestyle as to what might have changed over time. And yeah. I think Michelle and I are really good examples of that, aren't we, at the moment, because we've done something to change that now. And and what I'm finding is, because you have this little nagging feeling, well, I'm going through the menopause, perimenopausal, it, that's why I'm putting on weight, you know, I can't do anything about it. But you're so right about what we eat. We can't probably eat the same things as we used to because the body is changing and definitely can't drink as much as I used to. Um, so there's all that sort of stuff that's changing. And I don't think people think that when they're going through it they just carry on trying to do what they're doing and actually you have to make those changes like we have to add strength training because our body needs that um and I can bang on about that for a long time but I won't (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely It, it is it is important I think even if you are running quite a lot and eating pretty well and you hit the perimenopause you can still find that you're gaining you're gaining weight and you know, you think, well, I'm doing lots of exercise and I'm eating well. And I think the key word there is change. Your body is changing and you some, you have to change what you do. I think you can't just carry on as you, as you are. And that involves effort and that involves motivation and that involves finding out what the right things to do are. But if that, and it, you know, if you're happy with the weight gain and it's not an issue for you, then that that's no problem. But I know certainly people that are, are running, who are runners, find that that does have an impact on their running sometimes. And they feel that they're carrying extra weight. So it's harder for them to run uphill, et cetera. And they want to do something about it. And, and really, as we get older, our risk of lots of diseases increases. So things like type 2 diabetes, cancer, heart disease, even types of dementia and some depression. Our risk of those increases anyway. But if we are carrying excess weight around our middle, and I'm talking about internal body fat here, so visceral fat, fat that sits around your internal organs, not that just under your skin. It's the kind of deeper stuff that makes your waist feel kind of thick rather than just having a, a roll of fat. Um And we know that the more visceral fat you have, there's more inflammation in the body. And that inflammation increases your risk of getting those diseases. And that's partly why your risk increases as well as it going up sort of with age. But what's amazing, and maybe we we need to keep coming back to this, is how helpful exercise is to improve these things. Yes, it's harder to run during this time, but actually running can really help you to to manage the the perimenopause and moving through it and the postmenopause as well because of all the benefits it gives you. One of those is helping to reduce the visceral fat, to reduce those that deep internal fat level. But as you say, strength work is really important because something else that happens around this time is that we start losing muscle mass and muscles are so important for us. They actually reduce inflammation as well. When you use them, they release chemicals called myokines that reduce inflammation. Um, And 
as we're getting older and losing muscle mass, we have less of this anti-inflammatory stuff in our blood. So we need to build a muscle and we need to, to maintain it. And we have to take action to do that because our body starts to lose it more quickly. So that's where the strength work is really vital. And although as a runner, it's tempting when you start finding yourself gaining weight to just think, I need to run more. Actually, that may not be the thing you need to do. You might need to run less and do more strength work. And exactly. it's it, it it really can be really, really uh, successful in helping you to to navigate that perimenopausal weight gain if that's a, a problem for you. And that's what we both find, isn't it, Michelle? Yeah, that's exactly what Louise and I have been doing over the last few months. And it has, I was kind of looking in the mirror two months ago thinking, this is me now. My waist is kind of thicker. Is, is this me? Is this me? Yeah. Good now, just keep on expanding. Yeah. Uh, but actually, you're right. You do need to change what you're doing, don't you? And we've really kind of looked at our nutrition and added in more strength training. And I, I have reduced my running miles and I've noticed the difference. I think, yeah, but I'm, also, now. I'm faster now. I'm doing PBs. Yeah than I was doing. Yeah. And that's that power. That's that power yeah. coming from yeah. those muscles that give you that yeah. little bit of speed. But it involves homework and it involves change and it involves daily habits and motivation. And that's really hard. And, yeah. and you know, so it, it, there is a solution, but it's, it, yeah, it does involve effort. And to do that, you've got to feel really confident in yourself to make those changes and and find tricks and habits that, that help you to develop these sort of long-term healthy behaviours. But it... it, it it can be yeah, done. No, I, was, I was going to say, you're so right, because it is. Yeah. It's, it's like you've got to get over that hurdle. And once you're over that hurdle, it's it, you're flying. You know, you, you've got there and and you can't use the perimenopausal and menopause as an excuse to a certain extent. Yeah. And I think it is important, though, to to acknowledge that women do have this massive spectrum of how much they suffer. For some women, like you mentioned, uh, was it your sister or your friend just breeze through it? For yeah, other women, it's it's debilitating and, mm. and it's really severe. And despite wanting to 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 come up with these solutions and to carry these things out, it, it, it really can be an uphill battle and, and it can be um, really, really have a really negative effect on your life. And, and I you know don't particularly want to spend it much of this time talking about hrt but i think it is important for women to realize that it can be helpful particularly in those who've had an early or premature menopause it's important because yeah. there'll be many years with lower hormone levels but and not every woman can take hrt or wants to take hrt but it can help with a lot of these of these symptoms right through from the physical to the mental health things as well so if you're listening to this and you are struggling then i really would encourage you to have a conversation with your doctor about about possibly using some hormone replacement therapy or whether it might be an option for you and i think mentally because i am on hrt and, and, and i just think this is quite important and if you can take it it's an option and i think the science has changed doesn't it or the 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 the, the narrative over hrt has completely changed um but for me i tried three years without it and i was horrible and I, mm. you know when it was at its worst and it completely changed when within two weeks, basically, when I started taking HRT. And then that gives you the, the you know, if you're suffering all these other things and you want to, you know, keep your running going and get better. So for me, it's been a really, really positive thing. But I'm mm. lucky because I can take it. So, mm. but I still get symptoms. It doesn't get rid of everything. I, you know, I still get problems and, and things occur. So, yeah, um, it's, 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 it doesn't diminish or or mean those lifestyle changes aren't important. They are as important yeah. as without it. But the two yeah. together can be can be really really yeah. helpful. And like you say, the narrative has changed, which is yeah. which is great. Yeah, I think for me the most important thing was the mental part with that, which I kind mm. of look back on and see now, as I didn't really realize it at the time. 
Um, and I think that's another thing that that is really important is the mental side of it. Again, we're talking about it more. And I think that's yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. So just still briefly on HRT, I know we don't want to get into it too much, but uh, say you, you feel that you do need it. At what point can you go to a GP and have that conversation? Is you, know. you can go at any point. You can yeah. go at, you're never too young and you're never too old, really. Uh, so if your symptoms are interrupting your job, if they're affecting your daily life, I would say if they're affecting your hobby and making you unable to run, then, then, then have a conversation because you need to be doing that physical activity to stay healthy and doctors want you to be healthy. Uh, and if that your symptoms are having an impact on those areas of your life, then, then that's, that's really important. And, you know, it, it may just be a conversation. It may it may be absolutely that it's the right thing for you. It may be that you decide not yet. Maybe I'll, I'll wait a little bit longer. But we're but it's much all those studies that were done uh, sort of increase talking about the increased risk of breast cancer, et cetera. A lot of them have been reviewed and revisited. And the, the feeling now is that, that for majority for the majority of women, HRT is going to be safe. Obviously, there are situations when it won't be, but the, for the majority of women, the benefits of it are far going to outweigh the risks. It can take time to get settled on one. It can, I mean, you were very lucky to lose and you said there, you know, you've got within within two weeks. Usually it's sort of two to three months on something before you can say whether or not it's the right one for you. And it does take a little bit of twiddling and adjusting and finding the right dose and the right preparation. But, you know, it, it's not like it was now. Tablets are used much less frequently. Yeah. You can, there's gels and creams and patches and coils and all sorts of things. It's much, it's much more user-friendly. Yeah. It and was. that's changed since I started on tablets and now I'm on yep. the gel. So that has yep. changed. Since I, you know, through the skin through. Is, a, is a great way. It reduces yeah. a lot of the risks such as clotting and things, um, yeah. getting things through the skin. But again, going back to heredity things, the thing that's been most important to me is that I have really bad osteo uh, osteoporosis in my family, like from father to mother to siblings. And I was osteopenia. I had osteopenia, but I've reversed all that now. And obviously the HRTs help, but also the running helps because of the impact. So for me, I feel you know quite good that I'm looking after my body a lot more. Yes, it can it can help with getting rid of symptoms you've got at the time, but also there's increasing evidence that can help with longer term conditions that you might develop. And osteoporosis is, is definitely a big one of those because as well as losing that muscle mass, like I mentioned before, we lose bone mass. So HRT will help to preserve your bone mass and running and strength work too. It doesn't have to be just high impact activity that when those muscles pull on the tendons on the bone, it stresses the bone a little bit, which makes the bone respond and be stronger. So there's, there's, you know, it's not just about feeling good in the moment. It's about, I always say, future-proofing our bodies so that we are still running and independent in, in many, many years to come. And and again, that can be hard at the time when you don't feel like it to, to think about how you're going to be in 30 years. But it is, a, it is a real motivating factor for many people. And, you know, keep that's what I want for life, you know, to be remain independent and able to look after myself and not relying on others. So for me, actually, it is quite a big driver to get myself up and out there on a cold, wet, windy day. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. <laughs> Plenty of those where I live. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I didn't run yesterday because it's absolutely chucking it down, but I did go today. So that was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel all right. <laughs> So let's just get back on to running again now. So we've talked about how we might have to change things because our bodies are going through a change. How 
how can we change our running and our attitude towards it as we're in those perimenopausal years to help us still enjoy it and get through it? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think your relationship with running can change. Maybe you maintain your competitiveness. Maybe that streak in you that wants you to go further and faster and race more, maybe that stays. But for some women, it doesn't. And that can be quite hard to, to come to terms with the fact that maybe that's not right for you at the moment, but you can enjoy running in other ways. So it is sometimes just sitting down and thinking, what is it you love about running? And what can you do more of that will help you to keep a good relationship with it? So whether it's running without your watch, so you're removing time pressures, whether it's trying new routes, whether it's running with friends more than you did before, whether it's running more with your dog and just finding finding really what running means to you and, and why you enjoy it and focusing on that rather than performance. If 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 you feel your performance is suffering and you, you know you're really struggling with it, because you want to keep you want to keep in love with it. You don't want to fall out of love with it and then not want to do it at all. So I think sometimes just and that sometimes you've got to be a bit open minded to do that because we forget really sort of set in our ways and our routines of what we like to do each year and which races we like to do, etc. And sometimes we have to just. Yeah, be a bit more open-minded and open to the fact that our relationship with running might change a little bit. And you said, um, uh, well, both of you, I think that, you know, you're maybe running less now and you're running fewer miles. And that might be something to consider. Sometimes, you know, we need a little bit more rest and recovery time. Our bodies are very good at repairing themselves, but they do need time to do that. And our repair processes get a little bit slower as we get older. So sometimes adding in a little bit more recovery can really make a difference to how good you feel about going out the next time. But looking at the miles that you're covering and thinking, are, do, do I need to cut back a little bit? Perhaps I need to mix things up and maybe do a shorter, longer run or do a, a, an interval run this week and just just try, just be open to be flexible, adjusting what you do to how you feel on the day. Because the thing about the perimenopause is you never quite know what's coming next and you might wake up one day and feel great and then the next day you wake up and you feel dreadful. So being really flexible in your approach and, and not beating yourself up if you decide, you know what, I don't want to go and doing something different, like you say, doing a Pilates class or a stretch class or uh, some yoga or something something just a little bit a little bit different it's still still beneficial for you and I think as runners we're not always very good at doing those things so adding in your strength work being flexible being open to your relationship with running changing a little bit are probably my key points I think and I think that's so true because I got into trail running and I love it and I hate road running now so you know and, and as you say you don't need it's not about PBEs Although obviously when I'm running with the dog, it is, um, but, um, you know, and it, and it's different, isn't it? And you can take in the surroundings and, and mentally it's really good for you as you're out there doing it. Yeah. And sometimes I think that it does become much more about mental, mental health and mental wellness when you're running perhaps than it used to. So yes. th those those unpressured runs where your mind is sort of free to to wander and you can think about things and look at the scenery, actually sometimes that becomes more important to you than the actual physical side of the running as well. But I also think it's, you know, a lot of people don't, runners are a funny bunch. Sorry, we all, we're all runners. We are. <laughs> <laughs> but they're a funny bunch in that they, as we've said, they just like to go out and run. But I think, and maybe it's because they're scared of, you know, weights and the gym and things like that. But actually, I can't, and I know you can't stress enough how important the strength is. So it's finding those ways, like you said, Pilates, yoga, whatever, that you can do different things. You can do them at home. don't have to walk into a gym. And there's just, there are lots of ways out there, but you've just got to open your mind to them, haven't you, I think, um, 
You do. Yeah. One thing I would say about the strength work in particular as well is that you have to be prepared to to lift some heavy things um, because really we're trying to build muscle and it's harder for us to build muscle as we get older, particularly because our testosterone levels reduce as well as our estrogen and progesterone that the, the traditionally what are thought of as female hormones. Women also have testosterone. It is a female hormone too. And that level drops a little bit as well. And that helps us to build muscle testosterone. So it can be harder for women to, to gain muscle. So we do need to put that little bit of extra work in. And really, when you want to build muscle, you do have to put that muscle under pressure. And to do that, you need to lift things that are really feel quite heavy to you. And, and that might be something that you haven't done before, which can feel a little bit intimidating to start with. But there is plenty of ways that you can get you can get help with that, whether it's, like I say, online classes or going and, and, and having a, a session with a personal trainer, because I think it is important that we do we do start with the body weight and the low resistance things but also we do need to start thinking about lifting some heavy things and we're not going to bulk up because it's really hard for us to to gain to gain muscle enough muscle to be bulky anyway yeah yeah totally yeah, agree yeah i agree with that i've started on my barbell and my dumbbells in the garage now and i can do it in the garage and i don't have to worry about being in the gym and looking silly because i think that is that can be a worry sometimes can't it yeah yeah um, yeah and that, that's, that's the sort of, after, it's really yeah. hard. You go into a gym and you get these beefy guys. I mean, I used to love it because I was a PT, you know, PT and everything. So I know how, what my form's like. I don't have to lift, I don't have to lift heavy weights like as they're lifting to know that I'm doing it better than them kind of thing. So it is, it is a state of mind, isn't it, with that? And we need to, gyms probably need to do stuff to help help women come into that area yeah. well, i think we when i worked when i managed a gym we used to have ladies only sessions and things like that to, to help but definitely yeah. because you know around the perimenopause like we said you can often lose your confidence and if your body is changing a bit as well you do become more self-conscious and so there's extra barriers for you wanting to go and stand in a gym or if you're having a hot flush in the middle of exercising and lifting weights then there's even more reasons why you don't want to go and be observed while you're while you're trying to gain some muscle <laughs> yeah no it's really yeah anyway we will get there it, the, the, yeah the, information is filtering out so hopefully the strength training and the way to help help us and to to sort of be as we were um will get out there as well yeah so shall we chat about your upcoming course i think you've just you've just had you've just launched it haven't you recently run through the menopause yeah thank you and i'd love to tell you about it so i i created this really for for people like us you know recreational runners who were struggling with their running around the perimenopause and I just really wanted to kind of go into much more detail about some of the things we've talked about today, about what's happening in your body, the things that you can expect, but also try to overcome some of those imposter syndrome and lack of confidence and motivation type things as well. So I launched it in November 22 and I had the first sort of cohort of women go go through it and I've had some really amazing feedback which is which is wonderful so it's a video course so you just sign up and then you've got me joining you in your living room or your kitchen whenever you want uh and there's there's a whole host of things on it there's there's mainly videos there's about 24 or 25 videos ranging from about 6 minutes to 25 minutes there's worksheets and things to download and it goes it goes through sort of 12 different sections to try and help you by the end feel confident and prepared and sort of empowered that you, you can do it yeah there might be hurdles but it's okay because you know what they are and you've got strategies to to overcome them so 
not highbrow, not not competitive, not about performance as such, much more just for everyday runners who just finding that the menopause is mucking things up to try and keep you on the road. So I just said, yeah, I had a small cohort of women going through it. And the first one, I've got some, had some really, really good feedback. So I'm excited to launch uh, another sort of enrollment in, I'm aiming for February. So uh, if anybody is listening, thinks that might be what they need, then I'd love them to come and have a look at it. It would be great. Oh, fantastic. So they find all the details on your website. Yeah. So it's Dr. Ju- Dr. Juliet com forward slash menopause course. And there is all the information about the course and there'll be a waiting list to, to sign up and I'll, I'll send you information about when I'm when I'm opening the doors again. So, yeah, do come and have a look and see whether you think it might be a good fit for you. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well, won't yeah. we? So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm I think we could talk about this for hours. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we We've been on for nearly an hour now. I know. Have we? <gasps> yeah. My goodness. Wow. So sorry, we've alienated the men, but we haven't alienated the men in this podcast because you need to know what we've been talking about. Yeah. You need to understand your partners. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so important. Should have said that right all at the understand beginning. what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Should have said that right at the beginning. So and your employees up. and your running club members. And yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So thank you, Juliet, so much for your time. Time and and all the information you've given it, it's been um, it's been fascinating and I hope we are doing our little bit to, to help people out there going through all this at the moment. That's brilliant. Thank you for covering the topic. It, it's really really great to speak about it and to help more women understand and more men understand too. So thank you for the invitation. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Canny Cross Conversations. Do let us know um, and do leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe and share to all your friends, whether runners or not. This is there's been some really great information in here, so please do share it and let your friends know. The more we get it out there, the better it will be. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.